Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome. To the Doc G Show, I'm your host, Doc G, with me as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus, the Furnicus, Charette. Say what? Dr. Gordon, how's it going, sir? Not bad, man. Berry Lemonade, Health Aid, Kombucha, just getting it, just feeling. Yeah, probiotics. probiotics. Mm. That's right. Mm. Feeling cold-pressed, feeling fruity, feeling... Bacterial. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, so many things. So many things with my drink of choice happy for the show. Yes. <laughs> so much happy guts. My gosh, Mike. That'd be a good name for a kombucha. Happy guts. I think there is I wanna say there is like one like close to that. Something huh. something on along those lines, you know? But mm. Mike, how are you doing? Mm. I feel great. You know, yeah. I got a little bit of yeah, I got a little bit of sunshine in the eyes. I've had like uh, you know, a full cup of coffee. Eight five. Eight five yeah. six. Oh yeah, eight point five uh, okay. out of ten. I would say. Yeah, I feel okay. pretty good today. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna wade into the water pretty fast here. I've got okay. a. I, I've got super. You know, I mean, it's basically all we talk about is super important topics that affect millions of people. That's a fact. Yes. Change lives, impact lives, and we talked about one specifically last week, Mike, that I desperately need to follow up on. And that Can't would wait. be Gwen Paltrow going to court over oh, a ski man. accident. She is winning, winning, winning. Yeah, yeah. Now I, I guess <laughs> I, I guess you heard, Mike. She won the I, case. I, I, yeah, she did. She won the case. Now, I, now, just to clear things up, because I know there, there's got to be somebody out there. I said she was suing for one million dollars, and I got that. From a uh, fr- from a reputable media site, Mike. That was mm-hmm. not that was not me. That was them. But apparently, that was my fault because she was actually suing for one dollar. So she was doing, you know, like the basically just uh, uh, just what, what is it for show? Whatever you would say is a one dollar. Huh. You know, just okay. to be like I'm counter suing, but I don't want to actually have any money. You know, that sort of deal. Anywho, Mike. Mike, I, 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 this this case doesn't affect me or you, and no. I wanted to let this case just slide into the nether regions of history to never be thought of again, mm-hmm. but there were too many things that were brought up over this past week that I was like, I, I can't let this go. I got it. <laughs> no. No. Um, first off, Mike, before I get into the details real quick, just... Uh, When we are talking about this, listeners, remember, remember, this accident happened in 2016, Mike. Jeez. Wow, didn't know that. Yeah. It's almost been seven years since the accident happened. Do you realize how much has happened since then for everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Like 2016, we were different people, Mike. Yeah, that was a whole nother. That was like a lifetime ago at this I, point. I didn't know you then. Yeah. You know? We, we Wait, had, 
We no, yeah, it's 2017 that you were oh, first yeah. on the 2017. show. 2017. Yeah. 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 And uh, so so it's been 7 years since this crash. And on top of that, there's no video evidence of this thing, you know? There's no corroborating evidence. There's no innocent bystanders like, yeah, I saw these two morons run into each other. It's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. you didn't say, none of that. It's just Terry and Gwen. Mono y mano. That's it. Right? Now, last week on Friday, they, they had came out with the uh, with the overall result. And as you said, Gwen, Gwen won. She yeah. won the trial, you know? And juror number 11, she had to come out to the world and let people know why Gwen won. Word. She thought she would give everybody an explanation of what went down in this trial. And I got to be honest, Mike, I wish she hadn't. Nope. I, mm. I really wish she hadn't. Oh, no. Like, oh, my God. Mike, let me give you a summary. We're going to go through what she said. So first off, she said, quote, overall, she found Gwen's testimony more convincing. Which, <laughs> you know, uh, obviously that's what I would hope. That's what you would yeah. expect, right? That would be the thing. But here's what I can't get over, and here's what I can't make up, Mike. This is a direct quote from her. Are you ready for a direct quote? She went yes. on... Good Morning America and said this. She said, quote, I think there was, in the back of my mind, yes, this woman's an actress. And I took that into account. Word. But I didn't feel she had a reason to lie under oath. She's always in the spotlight. Huh? So she has to be honest. <laughs> Wait, what? Are you kidding me, Mike? Not good. She didn't. Not good. She didn't have a reason to lie. Of course she did. Her reason to lie was to not lose the case. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? She doesn't have a reason to lie. Blam. And th and then on the on top of that, maybe maybe you're saying, well, yeah, to lose the case, that's not a good enough reason. All right, all right. What about the reason that she doesn't want to look like a crappy skier? So true. How many people do you know, Mike, including yourself, and I'm including myself, that if you're going down a ski slope, which I've never done, because but if you're going down, getting your ski on, and you run into a tree, but don't need medical attention, how many people are going to admit to everyone they know, yeah, I just ran into a tree because I'm a moron. Hmm. Yeah, I did that. I don't know how to ski. No, you're going to lie off and be like, no, I was going down there. I was jumping between trees. I did a flip somewhere in the middle of it. It's pretty awesome. Like, are you kidding me? She would lie just to not look like an idiot. Yeah. That's what most of us do. Good Lord. And she's an mm -hmm. actress, Mike. She's an act. I don't want to stereotype here, but, and this isn't by all actresses by all means, but do you know how vain that group of folks are? Like, mm. you really think that person wants to be like, yeah, I have no clue how to ski. That's a, uh, I'm just uh, completely dumb going down the slopes. No idea. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, no. They have to be good at everything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then 
In the second part of this reasoning, we go back. Let's go back to her statement, Mike. Let me refresh everybody on the statement really quick. She's always in the spotlight, so she always has to be honest. What? Not good. What? Have you seen anything on TV, lady? Like, what are you talking about? Is this juror the most gullible person in the world? Does she own every product that's ever been sold on an infomercial ever? Well, they say it's the best knife ever. Cuts through metal. <laughs> that's got to be, be really they good. cut a can. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Like, what are you doing? And the lady we're talking about, Gwen. Gwen Paltrow owns a company, Goop. Mm-hmm. Right? Goop. Yeah that was literally sued by the Federal Trade Commission for making unfair and deceptive marketing advertisements, a.k.a. they lied about their f***ing ads. She's literally already had to pay fines for lying. That's a fact. And you're like, oh, why, 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 should, why would she lie? I've never seen that happen. It's crazy. Like, oh, oh Mike, it hurt me. It hurt yeah. me. Now, that's not it, though, Mike. That's not that's not all of the ridiculousness. If that was it, I probably would have just said, okay, let's let it float off into history. Who gives mm-hmm. No, no, no. No, no. It continued, Mike. It continued. She then said, quote, Sanderson. Sanderson's Terry, the other guy, remember? Mm-hmm. Sanderson was telling the truth. And I think, unfortunately... Some of that has been distorted due to some other factors. Huh? But I think he did not intend to tell a truth that wasn't his truth. End quote. Wow. Where do they get these people? Wait, what? What the F is that, Mike? (laughs) He did not intend to tell a truth that wasn't his truth? Yeah, it sounds like a Riddler like a rhyme. I don't know. I, I don't know. We've, we've been over it on the show, Mike. There is one truth. There is one truth. There may be differences on how the truth is perceived, but there is one reality that we're all effing living in. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's the one. This one, you crazy effing juror. What are you talking yeah. about? Person A said that person B ran into their back. Person B said that person A ran into their back. You can't have both of those things happen at once. My God. Yeah. If if I was in this juror deliberation, I would have just like I would have I would have been like, what? I, I wouldn't even know how to respond to her if she would have told the rest of the group that. I'd just be like, huh? <laughs> where where did they get you? Where did you come from? Objection. That that is, yes. Now, in the end, this specific case that we're talking about here, it doesn't affect you or me. We already said that. It doesn't. Nope. It's just two wealthy white people arguing about what two wealthy white people regularly do. Ski. Mm -hmm. So, doesn't really. The problem that gets me, Mike, is what about when we bring jurors in like this into a case that actually matters, like somebody getting murdered. And she's like, well, uh, that guy with the knife that came on the stand, he said 
that he didn't do it, and I don't think he has a reason to lie, does he? Wait, what? Does he have a reason to lie? Yeah! And it seems like he was telling the truth. It was his truth. May have been a little bit distorted, but it seemed like a truth nonetheless. Am I right? <laughs> I'm pretty good at logic. <laughs> <sighs> I'm sorry to be a negative Nancy to start off with this, Mike. Let me just say, nah. if there's anybody out there listening right now that is gullible as Juror 11 listening right now, please keep listening. You're going to hear the greatest show you have ever heard in your life. Okay? Yes. Ever. The greatest, Mike. The greatest. Nothing but the truth. Amen. And are you ready to fire that our truth up, Mike? Let's fire up this truth. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. Oh, gosh. The truth I, machine. Oh, the truth machine is rolling, Mike. We have a fantastic musician, Mr. Austin Mead, on the show. Just put out a new album about six months ago. We're going to talk career. We're going to talk album. Sweet. We're going to go down partying. The, the partying. He was, a, <laughs> he was a little hungover when we started the interview, but you know what? He made it through. He's completely he fine. You know what his truth was? Not throwing up. That was what his mm -hmm. truth is. And by the way, listeners, I said I was never going to use that crap, so I'm going to stop right now. <laughs> We're not going to say that. His <laughs> truth. What a bunch of horse. Anyways, <laughs> Mike, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Woo, Mike. I did it once again. I'm sorry. I didn't see where we're at. I forget. That's okay. What, 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 Think about I like a D minus. Is tw <laughs> 21 out of 33, I want to say? It's something like that. 21 out of 33. I'm going to I'm going to double check listeners, don't worry. We're going to double check during the break, but I'm pretty sure it's 21 out of 33. This one, Mike, I'm, I'm pretty positive. Happy what? with 21 out of 33. I'm sorry, Doc G, but you know, no. even though that's a terrible grade uh in terms of like remembering people's birthdays and names and and what they do in life, I'm happy with it, them. That's a majority. I think yeah. anything over 50% is is applaudable. Mm -hmm. That's that's good. That's yeah. nice, man. Now this one, I think you can get. I think uh, he's 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 very well known. Very oh, well known. perfect. Uh, in music, so born in Virginia Beach, April fifth, nineteen seventy three. Our birthday suit wearer met his lifelong friend Chad Hugo when they went to summer band camp. Then they played in high school band together. They formed an R&B group called the Neptunes with two other mm. friends. The more the Neptunes got into music, the more they became popular for producing. They worked with the Virginia rap group Clips. Then in 2000, they produced Mystical's single, Shake Ya Ass. Then Jay-Z's single, I Just Want to Love You. Then Nelly's single, Hot in Here. Our birthday mm. suit wearer created a record and entertainment wow. label known as Star Trek Entertainment. In 2003, the Neptunes were so popular on hip-hop and pop radio that it was estimated by a survey by The Age that 43% of songs that were airing on those stations were produced by the Neptunes. Almost half, Mike. Every single song came that. from them. Yes. Wow. They had two massive-produced songs uh, with Gwen Stefani's Holla Bat Girl, Snoop Dogg's Drop It Like It's Hot, 
Our birthday suitwear started to do more solo projects. 2013, he collaborated with Daft Punk for their song Get Lucky. Then he collaborated mm. with Robin Thicke on the song Blurred Lines. Same year for the Despicable, Despicable Me Too soundtrack, he released the song Happy. In 2014, it was announced that our birthday suitwear would be taking over CeeLo Green's position on the show The Voice. Over his career, he has won 13 Grammys, been nominated for 38 Grammy Awards. And even though this dude is turning 50, I swear he does not age. Nope. Name that birthday suit wearer. The very youthful Pharrell Williams. My goodness, that guy. Yes, that is correct. He's beautiful. First, yeah, exactly, man. Mm -hmm. Just flawless skin. Just beautiful bone structure. Zero aging. Like he no. looks literally the same as when he came out with Pusha or whatever that song was called. Yeah, back well, in it's, the day. it's bananas, man. I, yeah. I know. I you know. I know you're not a a, a musical uh, historian, but he the first thing he sort of did was he was a ghostwriter for the group Rex and Effects the rap group Rex and Effects, mm -hmm. and they had a single called Rump Shaker, and he wrote uh, a line, or wrote, you know, the lyrics for Rump Shaker in 1992. Wow. When he was 19. And there's, like, pictures of him. He looks the exact same in yeah. 1992 as he does in 2023, man. It's crazy. And then on top of it, he's got he's got 13 Grammy Awards. That's nice, you know? And yeah, I'd say he's yeah. got a couple million dollars, too. And by a couple, I mean, like, a lot more than that. But, <laughs> yeah. You know. Good good for him, man. Yeah. Good for he's him. killed it. He also seems, he seems like a guy that you could hang out with, but he'd also say some weird that you would just, like, end a sentence every now and then. Like, you'd be having a normal conversation, it'd be real fun, and then all of a sudden he'd just say this really bizarre thing that everybody would just be like, what? Huh? All right. Okay. <laughs> and then you just sort of move on. Like, I feel like that's a little Pharrell, you know? Yeah, Cause he's sure. got Because he's a little bit beyond us, you know? He's, he he's an a, alien. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So there's they're a little bit, but regardless too, and I'm not sure if Wikipedia is correct about this. I know they're really good friends and I knew that I know they grow up, they grew up like family, but I'm not sure if this is actually accurate on Wikipedia. It has, um, Timberland listed as his uh, cousin. Hmm. I don't think he's actually his cousin. Hmm. I think, I, I think it's more of like, you know, a friend cousin not an actual uh, relative. But regardless, they were really close and they both grew up in Virginia Beach and they're both ridiculously good producers, you know? So. Yeah, amazing producers. They almost, like, Timberland almost, they do kind of have, like, a similar, but that might just be mid-2000s when they kind of first came out. Yeah. Like, I, what I, that sound was like. I would say Timberland usually has a little bit more spaced out sound. Like, mm. as far as, like, there's yeah. more... There's more silence or air of what he doesn't play in his mm. background beats than Pharrell, who fills it up a little bit more with what's in the background. Yeah, and good point. And then also, I would say that Timberland relies a little bit more on some of his his actual 
his actual, you know, sounds, what he mm-hmm. produces, and he'll implement those a lot more where Pharrell tends to work more on synths. Mm. But still, they do have some similar sounds, and it could yeah. just be the time, the time period. But yeah, the time period, yeah, and who they were kind of producing for. Yeah, regardless, for sure. the big five zero for Pharrell. Yeah, big five zero. That's amazing. Yeah, he's That's amazing. It. Here's to another fifty, Pharrell. Mike, are you ready to rip some headlines? What do we got, Doc G? What's going on? It's now time for rip from the headlines. I'm going to start off with a little headline, Mike. Just a little headline here from Neon Moon. Hmm. Neon Moon. Quote, 10 female behaviors that drive men away. End quote. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Mike, yeah. And, Mike, unless female behaviors is code for other women to try and have sex with, I'm confused. I, th- <laughs> I think that would be the main thing that drive men away. I don't know. Just, girl, come on. Just an idea. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Regardless, Mike, I've got a big headline from Food and Beverage. Are you ready? Yes. Pepsi has announced branding changes. Uh oh. Yep. They're trying to gain ground on Coke, Mike. They're they're hmm. gonna do it. Pepsi said in a statement, Pepsi continuously reinvents itself with brave marketing and product innovation. From creating its own television shows, exploring Web3, introducing compelling new varieties over the years, including Nitro Pepsi, Pepsi Mm. Times Peeps, Pepsi for Soda Stream, and improved Pepsi Zero Sugar Taste. That's right. Pepsi gives fans the best-tasting cola in the zero sugar category. There you go, Mike. Now, with all this release, uh, what did they do? What what was the actual change? Yeah, what are they uh, what are they trying to pull off? They introduced a logo that has a darker blue in the can. Bold. Bold <laughs> Bold move. I mean, come Not on. Good. Come on. You you've been going against Coke for 80 years. And the best you could come up with was like a darker blue? Mm-hmm. That, that genius. Is that anybody make make a tint in their pants? Anybody? Anybody excited about that? No? Like it's, I mean, Mike, I just want to hear Pepsi embrace it that they're number two, you know? Yeah. Sometimes number two's not bad. No. You know? well, we appreciate honesty people, as consumers. People still like the Rolling Stones. You know, yeah. people still eat it. Wait, are they Bert. number two in something? Yeah, the Beatles. You know, when uh, they yeah. look at the true, Beatles true, true. and Stones. You know, yeah. people still true. eat at Burger King. You know, yeah. when people can't get into Harvard, it doesn't mean they turn down Yale. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Yale sounds pretty good. Uh, they're yeah, pretty nice. Really nice. You know, and let me tell you something, Mike. I've met a lot of people in my day. Not as many as some, but I've met a pretty good amount of people. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah. very few. Very, very, very few have been to a restaurant with me where they say, I'll have a Coke. And the person, the waitress says, uh, would Pepsi be okay? And that person says, no, I'll have Flips water. <laughs> no. Because Pepsi, let me tell you something, guys. You still got something on your side. Sugar. Mm-hmm. Yes. Caffeine. 
It's not as addictive as booger sugar, but it's not too far behind. It's oh yeah, it's pretty close. So keep yeah. keep selling your sugar water. I think you guys will do just fine without a darker blue can. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about yeah. it. You know, Mike. No way. Interesting info from uh, the Netherlands. Hmm. A sea, yeah, what do we got? A sea eagle. A sea eagle at the Netherlands Zoo escaped two weeks ago. Uh-oh. Yeah. But don't worry. I know you you probably were having heart palpitations from what it I just It sounds like a big you. bird. I mean, honestly, a sea eagle? It, Eagles are already huge, and sea just means maybe a little bit larger. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a big old bird. It's definitely yeah. a big old bird. But luckily, it was recaptured this past week. So That's good. Yeah. The Thank zoo, God. The zoo owner said he was uh, able to recapture the eagle by baiting her with some food and then grabbing her when she came down to the, the ground to eat. Genius. I, I, I got to say, Mike, the sea eagle sounds sort of like a rookie. You know? <laughs> I mean, she needs to take some lessons from our friend Flacco the owl. Right? Yeah. Come on. I mean, listeners, if you remember, Flacco busted out of his prison never to return again. He's free on the no wing way. now. He's just out there living life. Ooh, you know? Yeah. I'm gonna He's tr- in the area. Yeah, I'm gonna try to get to do an interview with him at some point in time. They're gonna be like, Yeah, Flacco's not he's not he's not falling for that shit. you're not getting him into no way. No way. He's out Come there. Come on, just fifteen minutes, Flacco. Come on. It's living life, man. Can't put Flacco back in a cage. This no sea, the seagull rookie man. She didn't yeah. even. She didn't. I mean, to my knowledge, too, Mike. She didn't even have a name. Like, what's the Netherlands Zoo doing over there? And yeah. that's like Sea Eagle. That's her name. Come on, this is lame. You need to come up yeah. with a name. You know, Thunder. You know. Yeah, that's a good one. Odin. Yeah. You know, something something Norse since it's the Nev- Netherlands, you know? Give a yeah. give him a, a Norse god name. Odin is a great name. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, pretty it's dope good. name. It's powerful. You know? Very. Uh Doctor is so random, but I saw a TikTok video of a freaking eagle coming down and picking up a child and trying to like fly away with it, but it couldn't like carry the like it couldn't. Was like, this holy. AI Mike? I don't, it might have been. It might have been. I don't. I tend. I tend not to believe it. I tend. I tend not to believe that. That seems like. I mean, I, I don't know. It depends on the eagle. Like if it was an African gray eagle, those guys have some really strong claws. Those guys could maybe like you know, it's like a ten pound baby. They could get it going. You know. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Sounds like Mike. I don't know. Don't trust yeah. it. it. Don't. Be, it don't believe was. it, Mike. Do not believe it's got it. Me nervous. AI is trying to infiltrate it, and you yeah. know about this show. We don't let it come out into the show. Deep exactly. Fake stuff. We are we are we are real listeners, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Um, you may have I believe act, everything. You, you may have seen. <laughs> you may have seen this news. It's been going around. I think you might have seen it. Uh, hmm. This month, a hundred and six year old, one oh six, indigenous. Filipino tattoo artist became a Vogue cover model. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, Beautiful tattoos. Sleeves. Maria Oge 
Mariga hmm. Oga. And now that's like that's like basically her watered down name for idiots like me who can't pronounce her real name. So I went with that <laughs> yeah. name. But Maria Oge is from the small uh, mountain village named uh, Buscalan. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is considered the country's oldest uh, mamba talk or uh, traditional tattoo artist, mm-hmm. which I got to be honest, I would hope so, Mike. <laughs> if, if they were like, she's in the top 10 of oldest artists, I'd be like, who the f- up there with her? What is that? <laughs> who are the nine other people that are older than her? Jeez, what is going on? But she has been tattooing, Mike. Since she was 16. Jeez. Meaning wow. that she's been tattooing since 1933. Hmm. That's when they just use the needle. <laughs> oh, that's it in the Oh, that's ancient. what she does, dude. She does oh, the man. little she does a little bone tap. That's oh. you get the sharpened bone and just tap that. Mm. Mm mm mm. 1933. She's been tattooing before World War II. Wow. Like that's crazy, and you you saw the pictures, Mike. I think it's a pretty big compliment, but I'd say looking at her, if you ask me her age, I'd say like eighty six, you know, yeah. something like that. I mean, she's pretty wrinkly. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but you know, no, she... I definitely. I mean, you know, anybody that's standing up, I usually give them a a, a age under one hundred and six. I'm like, oh, that's a fact. They are keeping their body weight up, so that's pretty impossible. And, you know, like, I mean, 106. Good Lord. It's crazy. Yeah, Mike. she looks great. She really does. Also, Mike, uh, when when I came, when I looked at the story and I was going to mention it on the uh, the show, uh, I, I was going to make a joke about how I was like, I'm sure when she first started tattooing in 1933, she was dreaming of being a Vogue model. Nope. Because in my head, I was thinking, like, Vogue started in, like, 1950 or something. I'm like, when? when? <laughs> yeah. And then I feel so uneducated, Mike. I looked it up. You know when Vogue came out? Oh, wow. Probably. Wow. Now you're saying this. Probably, what, 1800s? Yeah. 1850? 1892 was the oh, first wow, yeah. Vogue. What? I would have been so wrong on that. Like like I said, in my head, I was like, it's like 56 or something like that. 1892 Vogue has been coming out. It's ridiculous. So she could have, who knows? Maybe when she was hmm. like five, she was like, that Vogue, I hope I'm on there someday. And then 101 years later, boom, Vogue. There, there she is. There you go. Cover page. Um, Mike, before we go to break, uh, I've got one little quick di- uh, ditty here. Uh, this is a- another story out of food and beverage here. This is from the mm. magazine Taste of Home. Hmm. Taste of Home has released a tremendous recipe for one of their famous cakes. They released a recipe for their apple snickerdoodle dump cake. Hmm. Had me in the first half, not going to lie. <laughs> I, I get it. You know, like, dump cakes are a actual type of cake, but... Oh, it is. doesn't change the fact that their name is still Dump Cake, you know? Yeah, <laughs> not good. <laughs> uh, me and the other seventh graders are not going to be able to get over your name when you're like, hey, guys, came to the cookout. I got Dump Cake for everybody. Come eat some of my dump. Somebody get in here. Eat this dump. Like, it's just... Call it something else, you know, Mike? Yeah. Call it, like, gross. trash cake. 
I'd even take trash cake over dump cake, you know? Like Yeah, trash cake is trash pie is great. There you, you know, go. You know you know that. You know that better oh, than yeah. any of us, Mike. Oh yeah. Regardless, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guest. This is Austin Mead with Red Roof Estates right here on the Doc G Show. Here on the Doc G Show. Say what? Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Mike, what do listeners need to do? Hmm. Well, the listeners need to subscribe to the show. They do. They do. Yeah. Subscribe. Go to their podcast, whatever, wherever they follow podcasts. Subscribe. Leave a comment. Mike, uh, Mike, you give us a five star review. You seemed a little blindsided by my question, uh, which was surprising because you started that and you're like, "Wait a second, what do they need to do? They need to subscribe." So true. They need. To, oh yeah. You, you weren't. Yeah. You weren't in the normal. You weren't in the normal. If they feel like it's a cost effective way to support mm. the show. Yeah, I did forget that part. Do you feel like that's not getting the <laughs> listeners anymore? Is that did you do some marketing research and you found that that wasn't doing moving the numbers? Do we need to switch? Mm. Is that it? Mm. No, <laughs> Doctor, I honestly just don't have my notes in front of me. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay, Mike. I didn't mean to call you out for not having your notes. Hey, I just no, thought maybe you were. It's okay. You were giving us a curveball for other reasons, and I, I wanted, wanted to say the cost-effective part, but then I forgot where I where I say that, and I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna leave that out then. Okay. <laughs> then then uh, then we didn't want it in there anyways. Just yeah. Just subscribe, listeners. Yeah. Subscribe. We need to thank yeah. the people that do subscribe, Mike. We do. And, we do. And guess what? We got one new one. We got one. Ooh. We got one new one in the regulars. New regular. Here we go. Shout out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, Anoka, Minnesota, Ashburn, Virginia, Piracai, Brazil, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Boardman, Oregon, Jittawa, Italy, Richardson, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Winfield, West Virginia, Biloxi, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, Toms River, New Jersey, Olive Branch, Mississippi, Asheville, North Carolina, Los Angeles, California, Spartanburg, South Carolina, Athens, Georgia, and Baton Rouge, Louisiana. <laughs> Baton yes. Rouge. Nice. Home of Mikey the Tiger and the new national champions for female, female, what the shit? For women's basketball, NCAA <laughs> champs, Mike. NCAA champs. Did you, did you catch any of that? No, probably no, not. No, I didn't. No. It was getting a little contentious there, Mike. It's getting a little yeah. contentious. And you know what? Uh, might not surprise anybody. I was on LSU's side. I was like, Iowa? No, mm -hmm. I'm not going for you. Nope. Mm -mm. Not happening. Because guess what? Do I see Iowa anywhere on the regular list? Nope. Do I see nope. Baton Rouge on the on the list? Yep. That's yep. right. That means I'm the number one fan for that game. That is happening. And they won, mm -hmm. Mike. So congrats. Congrats to Baton Rouge. Congrats to being on the regular list. Hopefully you stay there for the rest of 
of the show's days, which is mm-hmm. forever uh, without yes. AI. Mike, semi-regulars. Here we go. Shout out. Shout out to Fort Myers, Florida. Shout out to Detroit, Michigan. Shout out to Council Bluffs, Iowa. Now, Council Bluffs, if you continue to listen, <laughs> we will start to support. Okay? But you're only semi-regular now. You have not reached Baton Rouge's level. <laughs> so don't think it. In the hierarchy of cheering, you're still lower than them. Okay? So now, true. If you get up to that number one spot, me and Mike are coming out there. Live show. Council Bluff, Iowa. Write us in. That's right. It's going to be weird as I don't even women's basketball. I don't even know what's going on in Council Bluffs. You know Council Bluffs, Mike? No, I don't know anything about. I have no idea. Give me an estimate of their population, real quick. What do you think? I Mm. I don't know. For half a million. Oh my God, that's way too much, Mike. That is way too. much. That's way too many. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say thirty five thousand. That's probably way too much too. Let's see here. Uh, we have got a population of 62,000 in Council Bluffs. Oh, wow. 62,000. And me and <laughs> me and Mike are going to come out to Pottawatomie County, Iowa, and lay down nice. a live show if you get to number one. But for right now, you are a semi-regular. So, therefore, we give more credit to Baton Rouge. But so true. we still love you for being a semi-regular. We do. We appreciate it. Also, Mike, shout out to Fullerton, California, Lawrenceville, Georgia, Quincy, Massachusetts, Paris, France, Odense, Denmark, Norwich, United Kingdom, Sacramento, California, Sacktown, Kilgore, Texas, Coon Rapids, Minnesota, Vienna, Austria, and Mountain View, California. Say what? There we go, Mike. There we go. Now, Mike, I thought about it. You know, we haven't mentioned it on the show, but I, I think we need to let the people know that are big uh, Mike fans out there. Uh, do you got any shows coming up this week? Any places that the people can catch you out in uh, in Vegas? They can go? Hmm. You know, to... Uh... No, I don't, actually. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I got nothing. Not hosting? Um... Not, not doing any open mics this week? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, probably, let's see here, probably Saturday night at the Square Bar. Like Always it. a good time. Like Gonna it. be doing, uh, yeah. Square Bar. And then, uh, yeah, Square Bar, they usually have a, uh, like a burlesque show oh. before the comedy show, which is always interesting. Mm. Um, nothing then, like uh, going from burlesque to Mike. That's right. What's no, up? What's up, everybody? Like that. You're all charged a- up and revved and ready to go. Here I am. How do you feel? Yeah, it's a pretty wild time. It's a pretty <laughs> wild time. Um, what else you got? Yeah. Oh, I got a. Uh, I'm going to be in Jackpot. That's a that's a place. Jackpot is, is like the location. Jackpot, Nevada. How, how yeah, far is Jackpot city. away from Las Vegas? It's like seven hours, I think. Holy drive shit. north. That is yes. That's a lot further than I thought. I thought you were gonna say it was like like a satellite place there, you know, like an hour no. out. That's no. That's out there. Northern seven. Northern Nevada. Seven yeah. hours. Nice. So yeah. is it is this yeah. this be at the casino? The, the, oh, this is a casino deal for you. Yeah, it's a casino. You know the huge. I you know I I 
I hear good and bad things. I know you we were t- you you put that down as far as with uh, with Sam when we had Sam on the show as far as like his thoughts, and I know he's mentioned it actually in his stand up before as far as uh, casinos. I sort of like the idea. There seems to be no pressure there, with because mm-hmm. like it seems to be you know basically the only draw is to have something there. They want yeah. some type of event, but then. Basically, they want that event to bore people to go gamble. So, like, if yeah. you bomb, they're like, oh, thank God. Thank you for doing horribly. <laughs> Never thought about it that way, but, yeah, that's totally true. Yeah, so, like, yeah. I mean, that. I mean, obviously, you, you know, not the best to promote your stuff, but at the same time, mm-hmm. a lot less pressure. I like that. I like I that. never thought about it yet. Yeah, but, yeah, casino shows are usually pretty tough, but apparently this one in uh, – jackpot i heard is pretty good because there really isn't a lot going on out there in jackpot that's well i mean so you know considering it's seven hours into the wilderness of nevada yeah no flights nothing goes up well actually no i do think that they have an airport close by but i think they do drop people out of an airplane from mckay all right (laughs) you're over jackpot (laughs) jump jump (laughs) <laughs> anyways i love you jackpot even though you don't listen yeah. to the show and mike loves you as long as you don't f him over for this show this uh this yeah it's coming up what day is that mike? i'm gonna hand out i'm gonna hand up i'm gonna hand out some stickers uh for the show get it so hopefully we get some new better new listeners just post it up um, all I've, over jackpot just walking down yeah. downtown jackpot just put some stickers all over they'll know we were there that's right August 25th and 26th. August 25th and 26th. There you go. August 25th and 26th. Go ahead, listeners that are big Mike Charette fans, which is 99.99%. I got to be realistic, Mike. There's one person that hates you. Wait, what? I can't. I mean, I don't know why they do, but we don't really like them and support them as a listener of the show, but for some reason they don't like you. So I left them out. Yeah. But the other 99.99% schedule your flight arrangements, your tickets, yeah. August 25th, August 26th. Your wagon, your wagon. whatever you're going <laughs> to, horseback. Getting out there, Oregon Trail style. There. <laughs> All right, yeah. guys. One of you is going to get dysentery, and we're going to have to make a tombstone. <laughs> Don't worry. I've got 800 pounds of ammunition, though. We're going to get there. Yes. We're going to get to jackpot. Oh, man, that would be one anticlimactic Oregon Trail, too, if it was a jackpot trail, and that's where you were getting, <laughs> Woo! Yeah, we made it! Yeah, finally! <laughs> Anyways, Mike, I've got one story before we go uh, to our interview here with Austin Mead. I had this left over. Another great story from Food and Beverage, man. I don't know. Mm, F and I had a bunch of F and Bs this week. Um, vow. Have you ever heard of vow? V a v o w. Like a like you know a vow, a wedding vow. You know the the company yeah. vow right. is a Australian no. cultured meat company. Mm. Okay, you've heard about cultured meat, right? Where they grow grow it yeah. in a lab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, I think I know where you're going. Did okay. you see this? Okay. I don't with, know. With we'll the woolly mammoth meatball. Yes. Woolly yeah. mammoth meatball, listeners. Uh, the company Val created a meatball. 
that has woolly mammoth DNA in it. Now, it's not like they presented it. I heard it, and I was just like, would they ground up some woolly mammoth and made a meatball? Nah. Ew. Here's what they did. They grew sheep muscle in the lab. So they got sheep cells, grew those in a lab, then injected them with myoglobin. Mike, the myoglobin was woolly mammoth myoglobin. They generated the woolly mammoth myoglobin from the DNA. Now, myoglobin is what carries oxygen in muscle. You know, you have hemoglobin in your blood. Myoglobin is basically that molecule for your muscle. Now, I didn't know that. Well, apparently, Val's chief scientific officer says that's where meat really gets its aroma and taste is from the myoglobin. Yeah, ah. yeah. So, um, yeah, and like I said, it's not it. It's not uh, woolly mammoth muscle, and it's also not pure woolly mammoth DNA because the DNA was sort of damaged. So they had to fill right. in areas with the closest re- CRISPR style, yeah, closest yeah. relative, which was African elephant. So there's a little bit of African okay. elephant in there too. Word. Now, um, Val says the meatball Mike aims to challenge the public and the meat industry to think differently about how we produce and consume food, highlighting cultured meat as a viable alternative to traditional animal agriculture. Yep. Now, also a side note, Mike, they they say the the meatball really can't be eaten. Because they're worried that humans may be allergic to the proteins since nobody's eaten that type of protein in like 5,000 years. So they don't want anybody actually eating it. That's a fact. But they still made it. Hmm. I, and I got to be honest, Mike. If I was a part of Val's marketing group when they were doing this, I'd be like, did we think too far out of the box here, guys? <laughs> Are we too far outside? Like... I think we might want to be a little bit more inside the box. Like, how about instead of a giant, disgusting, woolly mammoth meatball that nobody would want to eat, we go with a cow and pig meatball that looks like a regular one that people would actually want to eat. So true. How about that? Mm. Isn't that what we're trying to do? We're not actually going to do anything with this woolly mammoth meatball, so... How about we actually make one that people would want to eat? Sounds crazy, but just, I don't know. I mean, your woolly mammoth meatball sounds as appetizing as a dump cake. I'm not interested in it. <laughs> All right? Not. Ew. Don't want it for me. Mike, would you? It was huge, too. Oh, Did you massive. see the uh, meatball? It's like, yeah, it was, ma- it was like. It was like, a, mi- it was like a mini, like, basketball or something. And I was just like. Yeah, it did. Yeah. And it just looked gross. Like the texture of it. I was just like, yeah. Ugh. And then there were little turd droppings beside it. I don't know if you noticed, but like they were just like little crumblies on the little tray that it, and I was like, I thought it was all garnish. I was like, ew. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. You know what? It, this sounds really bad, Mike, but you know what? It, remi- it reminds me of like when you see those videos of the dung beetle rolling a giant ball of dung. Oh, yeah. That's what it looked yeah, like. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, it did. gross, man. Anyways. Yeah, it didn't look yeah, great. I, I think they missed the mark. I'm going to say Val missed the mark on what they wanted there. Regardless, Mike, we need to go to a break, but we are going to be right back with none other than Austin Mead right here 
on the Doc G Show. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. The Doc G Show. Because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today we have a fantastic musician and songwriter who will be playing all kinds of shows in Florida. He's playing Gainesville. He's playing West Palm Beach, Sanford, Tampa, then Pensacola. Five shows, five days in our state. Mr. Austin Mead. Austin, how are you, sir? Um, very hungover at the moment, <laughs> but, you know, gonna, gonna survive. Hanging in there, man. Hanging in there, you. Uh, with that hangover, you are in a midst uh, whirlwind of shows here on the spring tour. Uh, started in Pennsylvania, and you've got thirteen different states, twenty-five shows, uh, about thirty-five days. And I mean, that sort of goes to what you just said. Are you one of those guys that is a road dog? Do you feel normal on the road, or is it uh, something that takes a couple of days to get used to? I mean, I've been on the road for about 12 years, kind of perpetually. Uh, I was touring even while I was going to college. So um, I've always just kind of lived on the road. Uh, I do miss being at home. I have a, have a house and I miss my, my wife a lot and my dogs. But, you know, I've always, uh, I think the older I get, the harder it gets. Um, I'm, I'm just turning 30, so... I used to be super pumped to leave, and I still am pumped to go see new places. But it, it some things are a little different, you know. Now, now the, the list of things you have to do at home just keeps growing, and then when you're gone, like for this tour, I mean, we're gone for uh, I think like two months. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, a lot of things change at home while you're gone for two months, you know. So like uh, today, all my buddies are at the uh, Valero Texas Open at TPC in San Antonio, so. They're all able to go watch the cool golfers and everything like that, and I'm I'm out here just trying not to puke in a parking lot near Boston. <laughs> so it's part 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 of the gig, man. Yeah. Part of the gig. Well, I heard. <laughs> I mean, speaking of that, you know, I, I saw in a couple of interviews you being a Texas guy. I, I heard you always tried to get Mexican when you were out on the road. I mean, that sounds like a good hangover cure. Are you, are you still looking for Mexican when you're out touring or no? Do you just take whatever you can get? Um, man, it just kind of depends on the area that we're in. I mean, when, when we were in New York, we just, I think we just survived off pizza pretty much exclusively. That's not, uh, that's not a problem yeah, for I, me. I do love, do love Mexican food. And I actually had it like four times last week. Yeah. So. Oh man. <laughs> nice. Well, now for folks that don't know, listeners that aren't acquainted with your music, uh, acquainted with your music yet, 
you started, like you said, you've been touring since you were in college. You started musically on the drums. Now, I know uh, your uncle's a huge uh, drum tech. He's worked for a bunch of bands out there. Was that who piqued your interest in drums originally? Oh, Eddie Mead. Um, no, I actually didn't meet Eddie. We're, we're not actually uh, re- related that I know of, but I met just him call- on the Seven Dust tour. Gotcha. Yeah, we just call him Uncle Eddie because I think whenever he saw, you know, that we had the same last name, you know, we started we being off real well on that Seven Dust tour. But, but um, yeah, I mean, my dad got me into music, and that's kind of... Uh, really what got me interested in, in any of it to begin with is just my dad's a huge music lover and a music fan and then I don't know I I think it it takes a particular person to like want to tour and want to write music and that's I mean I guess that's why I'm kind of like the black sheep you know not not in a bad way but just you know it it's a definitely a weird lifestyle for most people to comprehend and uh just the creation of music, I feel like you have to be really open and honest, like with yourself and other writers while you're making music. And um, I don't know, I maybe, maybe that wasn't a thing that you know people in my family really did very often growing up. So it's like a big uh, new directional step, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I was just just heard a quote about this earlier today, so it's been on my mind, kind of a thing. But yeah, I feel like. To, uh, it, it takes somebody to get you interested in, in like a new career or something, whatever you do. And some people that's like a teacher, some, like for me, like I said, as my father mm-hmm. could be, you know, uh, another family member or whatever. But, um, I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm almost like living out my dad's dream, you know, kind of like whenever, uh, you, you hear of coaches doing that all the time, you know, with their kid. Right. And I actually grew up playing sports. Dad was always my coach. And so I was like, coach's son that was always super competitive type you know Mm -hmm. um so now i think i've just kind of taken that energy and attitude and just put it in the music nice um, did did he get you was did you gravitate towards drums or was it your dad that was like hey try out drums uh i mean i gravitated towards it yeah i played uh percussion and in school like you know i was in marching band and did that uh until i quit that for golf so I, but I played drums when I was like in fifth or sixth grade, you know, just a little band, xylophone, you know, and I always really loved melodies. And then I, I also loved like writing growing up, like, mm-hmm. um, whenever you're in English class and everybody was like, Oh, you got to write a two page essay. Mm-hmm. All the kids would be like, Oh no. And I would just be like, I'll give you four pages. I got a lot to say, you know? <laughs> so, um, I've always enjoyed enjoyed characters and storylines and, and, you know, great, great TV shows and films as well. Um, so, uh, I'm just lucky that I get to do all those things and, and make up whatever the I want to make up for a living. I mean, it's, yeah. it's pretty insane when you think about it. For sure. <laughs> like I just, I just make it up and then <laughs> get to go travel the world. Like it's so weird, dude. It's so weird. Wait. I mean, so you brought up your dad and sort of living his dream, and uh, you know, your dad. For the folks that don't know, is 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 a preacher. He's a pastor, um, and he doesn't seem to be the super restrictive type. Because I've had some folks on the show, like the guys from uh, Goodbye June, uh, and yeah. their parents. It was basically rock music was the devil. 
So, uh, but your dad, he's he's a rocker, man. You guys got uh, white snake tattoos back uh, just three years ago. So I'm guessing there wasn't really yeah. too much of uh, a restriction on vulgarity in music. Did he have any of those or no? No, I mean, I, my dad's always been the ultimate, like, chill. It, you know, he lives by it is what it is kind of a saying, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, he 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 really loved rock growing up, and so I think maybe he got some of those, you know, rock music is the devil type comments from, from my grandpa, maybe. Um, but no, dad's always been the, the one that I've, I show him some it's like, really up, um, and he'll be like, oh man, that's deep, you know, it's, it's fun to play games with people's minds with words and things like that, so... Uh, I know he's proud of what we're doing. We talk about it all the time, and he's going to fly out to some of the festivals that we're doing this year. Pretty pumped about that. Nice. Um, yeah, but I I think because he was already kind of like a bit of a rebel growing up, mm-hmm. um, that by the time he had me, and then you know I just decided to start doing this. But I think he finds it really cool. Nice that we're doing you know doing it for a living. But I don't know. It's, is, uh, I'm sure there's some songs that I put out first that he was not super excited about, <laughs> but I think I've gotten past that after the Black Sheep record. I mean, we had a cave in, you know, there's a, one of the biggest lines that we get people singing along with at our shows is, I wish that you like you gave And uh, that's like, that was from a couple of years ago. So I think after that, there's not a whole lot you can throw at somebody that'll off. Uh, there's, in Violation Delight, which is off the new record, the bridge of that just repeats, feels so good to f*** you over. And so that was a really fun one uh, for me to do. It sticks in my head. I, my mom doesn't like that one, but, you know, <laughs> whatever. It, would, you say, uh, would you say Whitesnake was his, was his favorite? Because I've seen you put uh, say Whitesnake a lot as far as, like, one of your, is that his favorite band? Uh, man, it depends on the day. Um, it really does. I, I mean, it's, I'm looking at my legs right now because I have like my left leg is like tattooed with uh, different artists and records that I love. And, mm-hmm. you know, Tom Petty's on here, Ar- Arctic Monkeys, Kings of Leon, Deftones, big Mac Miller fan, nice. Audio Slave, uh, Paramore. You know, I love Fallout Boy too. So kind of put all those in a, in a melting pot together, nice. I guess. Um, I love I love just like songwriters and and making people hurt with words is, is very interesting, right? Like I don't know, it's it's hard to do, <laughs> uh, but that's probably my favorite part of it is just with words and, and people's brains and trying to make them think and whether it's to get inspired or to just kind of do like a self loathing thing, like oh god, I'm a piece, of you know, because that happens to me a lot. But that's kind of my style. I mean, um, just being open and honest about stuff. And I, maybe that's why it feels relatable to a lot of people. I mean, I'm going to have a loser tattoo on my arm right here. It says loser established 1993. And then I got another one on my arm. It's kind of cool. It says bad luck. Nice. But um, I don't know. I think that uh, the, the last couple of years, like the... You know the the suit the people with the suits on they call it branding. They're like, oh, your branding is so good, but I'm not really trying to brand anything. I'm just trying to be myself. 
Yeah. But I think that's really stuck on the last couple of years. And uh, so, yeah, as far as my dad goes, he's like, yeah, that's my, that's my boy, whatever, you know. Um, but we definitely have like that whole honesty and like the harder side of, of the Texas, you yeah. know, people some for some reason think that we're like a country band sometimes. And I don't know if it's because I wear camo or because I'm from like South Texas or, or what the deal is, but um, I definitely wouldn't consider us country, but it cracks me up because we do play some festivals like with, with country bands and stuff. And I'm a fan of country music. I love it. Um, but we're also like, we're going to be in a welcome to Rockville in yeah. Daytona. And that's, that's like Rob Zombie and, yeah. you know, Slipknot and, uh, you know, all that kind of, kind of heavy metal. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's cool to kind of straddle the line between both, I guess. Well, that, that's what I was going to I don't gonna... know how I got there from that question, <laughs> but. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about that. Cause I mean, I've, I've, you know, you've got that. It's, it, it's fairly, it's, it's fairly obvious how that you sort of got labeled that in the, at the start of your career, you know, with, with, yeah. uh, with chief of sinners, you know, they put you in sort of the Americana realm. And I mean, I've seen you with Whiskey Myers and Blackberry Smoke and all these awesome bands. I love them. But it's like you said, now, especially yeah. with the, the newer albums, you, you don't really have that sound. I mean, aside from just your natural accent, I wouldn't say there's anything that's really super Southern about the sound of the, of the uh, music. So, like, when you started getting that at the start of your career, you know, when when people were sort of labeling you this as, like, country rock and things like that, were you like, that's that's not us? Like, what, what are they talking about? Yeah, yeah, I think that, uh, so obviously, a couple things that play into the factor here to answer that kind of a general question. Like, first, it me off, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm not mm-hmm. country, and then... I, I didn't I wasn't saying that because I wasn't a fan of country music I, I, I just I saw like the music that I wanted to create mm-hmm. and I don't think I was good enough at creating that music early on in my career so maybe it sounded a little country or Americana because I wasn't like it, what I think our full potential is mm-hmm. and I think we started really doing that in the Black Sheep record mm-hmm. and I mean I also started listening to heavier sh- I mean before Black Sheep, there was a record called Waves, mm-hmm. um, which I think there's some great songs on that record. At that time, I was listening to a lot of Tom Petty and a lot of Ryan Adams, mm-hmm. and I was playing a lot of you know Texas country venues and festivals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that early on in my career, I was still like trying to find out how to be a better writer, a better musician, and how to make heavier shit. You mm-hmm. know, um, without. Like I know I'm not metal and I'm not going to be metal, but I but I love it, you know. Right. And, and finding my own fingerprint of that, you know, it took me a while to figure out. It also takes certain members of your team showing up out of the blue. Um, David Willie is my my best friend, and he's been playing guitar and writing songs with me ever since the Black Sheep record, mm-hmm. and so he's had a big thumbprint on like how we've gone in the new direction as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with abstract art uh, that unstable mind as well it was 99 percent of that was just me and willie yeah um had a couple of cool really cool co-writes in there that would, turned into awesome stuff uh rose romance was a co-write uh forever unfaithful was a co-write with tyler bryant and caleb crosby and we also did um 
quicksand with those guys. We, you know, wrote that together and then came up with a rough demo and took it to the studio. But yeah, I mean, up to then, it, you know, it was just finding how we wanted to sound, you know, uh, which that always changes. But I, you know, I mentioned Arctic Monkeys a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. They've had some drastic changes in sound over the last decade, yeah. you know, and I think that's cool. I think that that's good as an artist. Like you get to be a chameleon and like morph, like I, I think about it like mood, right? So like today I woke up and I was like, oh, f- I'm in a terrible mood because I made bad decisions last night, you know? Yeah. But then some days I wake up and I'm in a great mood. It's a beautiful morning. I'm good to go. I think, you know, making records is kind of like that. You have different seasons and different moods as a human being. And so mm-hmm. as you go through not only just the records, but each song, you know, you, you, there are no rules. Like I said, we just make and yeah. hope it sounds good and cool and hope that people vibe with it and that they want to come be a part of, of the show and see it live and um, but I think that uh, to kind of connect the dots of going back to the whole country versus rock thing um, at first I would always be mad about it right I was like I'm not country yeah. now dude and that's kind of what led to the Black Sheep record being called Black Sheep because I felt like you know I was like, look, you guys can call me country all you want, but I'll be the black sheep of the country world, yeah. you know? And and that was the heaviest to date that we had done was a lot of the stuff off that. And, and then people started to pay attention to us. They were like, oh, I like this. And I'm like, okay, so I guess <laughs> I just need to lean into that even more, you know, just lean into it even more. And so um, that's, you know, that's what I did. But then you go to the abstract art record and there's some songs on there that are, you know, like I would consider them alt rock or Mm -hmm. alt alt pop, you know, kind of a thing. Um, And that was to kind of just prove that we weren't only going to try to be like this metal thing, you know? Um, And I've, I've already got new, a new record now too, that I'm working on that is very, uh, very much so heavier than um, most of abstract art, like with the guitar tones and everything. But it's it's kind of a mix of, uh, I don't know, some of it almost sounds like a Weezer mixed with the Jimmy Eat world, but mm-hmm. it's a little bit heavier. Mm. So um, I'm already I'm already creating for like that chapter of, of, of life. So I'm really excited right now. Just from all the shows and all the things we've been doing, recording, man, it's, uh, it's crazy. I just turned 30 and like I think we've put out a lot more music already than a lot of people do for their entire careers. Oh, for sure. So I've been thinking about that a lot lately too. Because so we had Chief of the Sinners and I had Heartbreak Coming, mm-hmm. Waves, Black Sheep, Abstract Art, mm-hmm. um, and then I've already got a, a new one that I'm doing. So there was an EP before that that sucked. It was terrible. You can't find it anywhere except in my shed. But, you know, it's like six six releases. Um, so I'm working on the seventh one right now. And I feel like, you know, I'm just now ca- catching my stride as far as yeah. creating. So I'm we- pretty excited about what's going on and opportunities that we have, you know. So you'd say, I mean, when you look at those albums, because there obviously is, there, there's a change. It's like you said, there there's a, a different sound to each one when you look at... Uh, chief of centers and you look at waves and then you look at black sheep um d- is that 
because it sounds like there's a little bit of combination of both. Like you're naturally moving on and sort of progressing just in what you're feeling at that time. But there's also a little bit of you being like, all right, well, I'm going to change it up. I want to do something different. I mean, is it a little bit of both when you go into that new album of like, okay, I'm tired of doing this and also I need to give them something new? Yeah, a lot of it, um, for me lately, like in this, in this chapter of my life, I've been, uh, I've been like basing a lot of it on, I try to find a small set of words and then I try to base an entire song and a theme about that. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if we pull, pull a couple ideas from, from this new record, from Abstract Art of an Unstable Mind, mm -hmm. um, like Violation Delight, the first one on there, I just wanted to have a pair of words that sounded like they shouldn't be together and were kind of offensive mm -hmm. because that's how, that riff that it opens up with, that was a riff that David Willie had and I always loved that riff and um, I felt like I had to like, come up with words and lyrics that were as good or better you know right. like it's competition it's like friendly competition it's like you got this bad i want to do justice for it lyrically mm -hmm. and so i just i kept thinking about violation delight i've never heard those two words beside each other in a sentence and they mean like the opposite of each other right mm -hmm. but as i dig into those words violation delight you know, that song is about um, growing up in, in Brenham, Texas and going to this like county fair. Like it says, I just remember all the good old times, Ferris wheels, funnel cakes, and a carny prize, the links I went for a kiss at the end of the night, full of such a mental crime. And so I really like, like that mental crime thing. And that, mm -hmm. that's talking about growing up and, you know, like in junior high, we would love to go to the county fair. And it was like, oh my gosh. Hope I get to go on the Ferris wheel and, and kiss the prettiest girl in school or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. So to like dive into that much of a storyline just from the words "violation delight," like I'm I'm bricked up boner right there, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, but you know, the violation delight part of that was basically getting rejected by that girl eventually later in the in the storyline, and then um, and then I think I say take a second and I think I might call your best friend back violation delight. So violation delight is actually like the act of calling up her best friend and being like, all right, let's go out just to the other girl. Mm -hmm. No, it's like, it's just fun. Yeah. I love the, the, those kind of storylines. Um, and like red roof estates is I think after that on the record. Mm -hmm. And that's just about a dude who is a piece of that goes to this strip club or bar and he like is telling the the whoever it is like the person working there whether it's a bartender or a waitress or whatever like he thinks that just because they're being nice to him that they're gonna go home with him mm -hmm. back to the hotel room you know and um so it's it's him saying no you wait you think you won tonight but i won and I, you know you could have come see in my room at the at the red roof estate but i wanted to call it red roof estate kind of like the red roof end because yeah. it's a kind of a hotel mm -hmm. so just the irony irony in that was was really funny to me um and so with that record i wrote about i had like a handful of characters in my head there was like three or four different characters and definitely some of them had personality traits of, of myself mm -hmm. you know uh so some of it might be considered self-reflective or whatever the whole loser mentality thing um but I just dove in to that record thinking about those characters and trying to come up with interesting groups of words and phrases to like paint the room. 
certain colors inside my brain. So uh, it's weird. I mean, like I just, you know, as I'm talking about this stuff out loud, I'm, I'm thinking back about earlier mentioning, you know, where I grew up and how I came from and stuff. And I think that like opening yourself up like that and allowing yourself to have crazy thoughts and going on in your head and being able to put it on paper. I think that's a, a unique thing that songwriters get to experience that, you know, somebody else might not get to experience. And that's why I just feel so grateful to, to be creative for, for a living, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't think that like folks from my family necessarily did that as much growing up. They probably just thought I was a crazy lunatic, you know, which is probably true, you know? It's, it's one but, of the benefits of doing it. You know, you get to be a crazy lunatic, but you also don't get judged nearly as much for being a crazy lunatic. So, you know. Right. It works. Right. They're like, yeah, check the I created. And they're like, oh my God, he's gone off rails again. You know? <laughs> but, um, yeah. Well, well, when you're writing those songs, I mean, it's it's obvious, I mean, by you talking about them, you 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 get lost in in the the fun of creating it you get lost in the story that you're creating you get lost in that fun so it seems like it, it would be fairly hard for you to judge what other people are going to like just because you immerse yourself so much in the story when you write those songs do you know like uh when 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 a song you know, like Happier Alone comes along, which is, you know, obviously the, the most popular you got on streaming right now. Do you immediately go, yeah, oh, this this is this is one people are going to love or are all of them just in your head? Are you just going, man, this is awesome. Why wouldn't people like this? Yeah, yeah it kind of goes both ways. It's like I'm trying to think of the Adam Sandler movie where he, he goes back to school. Billy Madison. Billy Madison. Yeah. Have you seen that one? Mm hmm. Yeah, and he's like, I'm the smartest, I'm the smartest man alive. Mm -hmm. that movie. And uh, yeah, I think as a songwriter, oftentimes you feel like that whenever you create something new, you're like, this is the best mm. ever. I'm the smartest man alive. <laughs> or whoever you're working with, like, we're the smartest team alive. And then, yeah, we show it to somebody, somebody and people, you know, they either love it or they'll be like, oh, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> And the further you get along in your career, too, like like I was saying, like the suits start to pop up, right? So then, like last night, we were in NYC, and we, we played this show at the Mercury Lounge, and uh, all the people from the label came out and everything, and um, it was cool to see everybody, but it does feel weird to, you know, because I'm creating, like, a lot of personal, you know, and, and I, then that gets put on the chopping block in front of people now. Yeah. Like, okay, Austin just spilled his guts or, you know, really went off into this crazy world with these characters. Uh, and then, then I get to hear somebody else that oftentimes doesn't even create music, mm -hmm. you know, and they get to go, uh, can you pick up the tempo a little bit? We don't know how it's going to do on radio or whatever. And so it, where music and music business like intersect, it's a f weird, weird world, you know? Um, I'm trying to like learn to, accept some of those things and to let people have the rain there, you know, in their areas of where this turns into business. And that's a tough thing as an artist because like every single song I create is like baby, yeah. you know, um, I do know they're getting better as we go, which, you know, that's what you want to do in your career is you want to continue to get better at whatever you do, you know, yeah. um, they, it, yeah, I mean, it, it is an, an odd thing to like, 
feel your guts every single time you do a song and then sometimes they love it and sometimes they hate it um have there been any songs that you just felt too strongly about that anybody in like you know around you was like was like nah this one's not gonna work and you were like no screw you i'm going with this song this song works i don't care what you think yeah i mean we probably hate me for saying this but uh you know i felt like varsity type off the last record i felt like that was the best song on the record uh, and um like though it we did do a music video for it I, I really felt like that was a song like if you were gonna take a song to radio or like you know do whatever you do to blow up a song like on the business side yeah i was like this is the song this is the song this is the song and for whatever reason some other folks thought that it was going to be the song called rose romance mm -hmm. which is not a bad song but i didn't feel like that was the strongest song on the record mm -hmm. and sure enough a couple months later if you go to our spotify and look yeah that is the top stream song off of that record is varsity type yeah and i don't know i just i felt like that was the one that was the one that was the one and it just you know it it was weird too because I was in the studio creating Abstract Art of an Unstable Mind. I was recording that record the week before Black Sheep came out to the public. Mm. So I was in studio. I have a picture of me with like a cake that my wife had brought. And uh, it's like happy release day. And we were in the studio making Abstract Art of an Unstable Mind. And I already have, I was already making songs for this new record before Abstract came out. So yeah. it, I say I say that because I just try to. All I can do is make the best songs that I that I can. Mm -hmm. And after that, I have no I have no idea what yes. happens after yeah. that. Like, I just make a lot of songs and I try to make a lot of the best songs that I can. And I do love them. Uh, and and there there are like if I don't like a song, then it just doesn't make a record. I just don't even give it the time of day. Yeah, you know, but. I feel like we're getting past that. Like as we're working on the song in the studio or in, in the room, like we're trying to already make it the best thing we've ever done, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like I'm writing as many songs these days that aren't getting used. Right. That makes sense. Right. There, there are, I think almost every, almost every song I've written in the last year is going to be on a record at mm -hmm. some point. Yeah. Now with abstract though, I say that and then I'll opposingly say this is just, you know, I sound like a fool in all these interviews because I'll contradict myself, and I'll I'll go back and listen to old interviews, and I'll be like, "Wow, what an idiot about myself." <laughs> I think but, everybody um, does that. That's uh, regardless if you're if you're recorded enough, you're gonna go back and go, "Oh, what?" All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, with abstract art of an unstable mind, I went to the studio with like forty something songs, and we did kind of like just rough like pre-production like me sitting on a couch with an acoustic type you know mm -hmm. and we did listen through those and had to cut some of them because obviously we don't have 40 songs on a record but um yeah i just i guess some of those didn't make the cut but nothing that i've written in like the last year and a half to two years has not made the cut so i don't I, know, we're on a, I feel like we're on a hot streak right now with creation. Yeah. Of, of things. Well, going back to what I mentioned earlier, and you you talking about varsity type because it's like you said that is right now it's 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 the it's the the fastest uh, accumulating streams off of uh, abstract uh, uh, abstract art of an unstable mind, and um, 
you know, it's one of those things. I do think it, it, it amazes me because it's like you said, I, I still get amazed by it in the music industry as far as people that are around the artist thinking they know more about it than the artist. And it just, it blows me away as far as there's so many examples of these big time artists, these huge, you know, I'm sure almost everybody on your leg, as far as all of those artists had a moment where they were like, Hey, this song is awesome. And then everybody at their label was like, no, no, it sort of sucks. You're not going to want to put that out. Like, I can't, like, I don't understand how that happens. It blows my mind. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like trust your gut on those. It's going to be the biggest one, like like varsity type. Um, you know, along, uh, along that line, uh, with Happier Alone back from Black Sheep, uh, what, what, what brought Co Wetzel on the, uh, the feature there as far as, you know, let's put this back out with Co on the song? So I've known Co for a long time, back before he had all the buses and crazy pyro and mm. thousands and thousands of people started at each show. Yeah. Uh, we're both from Texas, and it's just kind of one of those things like Texas boys stick together, you know, as mm. much as possible. Um, I met him because of his now tour manager, who was his drummer. His name's Dre. Dre would come out to my shows back whenever Chief of the Sinners was out. And Dre was playing drums for this other guy that was smaller in Texas. But Dre would always show up to my shows and was like, hey, he's a big music fan. And then because of Dre, I met Co and the rest of their crew. And then Co was trying to get me to go record my record with Taylor Kimball, who I did the Black Sheep and Abstract Art of an Unstable Mind with, mm-hmm. because Kimball had been doing Co's records. And Co told me before... I even did waves. He was like, dude, you need to go to Kimball. And I was like, I just don't know. And, you know, it's like, I don't know. And I had, I had a great team for waves. So I, mm-hmm. I have no regrets on how that went at all. But I, I just say that to, to say that, uh, um, Cove been trying to get me to go to this studio for like mm-hmm. years. And finally I was like, let's go do, let's go do a record there. And so we did black sheep there with Kimball and, it really, it, that just kind of like changed, changed our, our lives as far as opening up new tones. Also, that was the first record that my guitar player, David Willie, was really heavily involved in. That was also the first record that we had just hired Aaron Hernandez, our drummer, still with us today. And that was the first record that he plays, that he played on. So there was some really amazing drumming moments there. Yeah. Um, but, all those things started kind of falling into place. And then Co was making another record. I think he was making Harold Saw High or maybe the one after that. But every day that he would come into the studio with Kimball, Kimball told me that Co would always be like, hey, put on that Happy Alone song. I want to hear it. So that was like one of Co's favorite songs. Nice. According to, according to Kimball. Yeah. And um, then I told Co that we were like trying to get some features on that record i really wanted to try to get billy gibbons on dopamine drop i thought mm. that would have been so cool mm. but who knows it might happen now that we just did a tour with easy top you never know maybe maybe one day we'll be able to do that but um i told him these ideas that i had of random features that i really wanted to do and he just texted me back and i was like let me sing on happier alone and i was like yeah mm-hmm. so there was never really a ask you know yeah. there was never really like a Hey, my manager's got to go to your manager. We just been been buddies. He loved the song, and, and I'm I'm forever grateful and thankful that he did that because man, that 
that really changed like like my life you know him stepping in that song because of what he's created with his amazing music and songwriting and his whole you know rock and roll f- branding you mm-hmm. know I mean, he's, he's a very smart dude um so the fact that he was even you know willing to to, to sing on that and, and we wrote that new verse together um and then I, I wanted to change that song a lot more on his feature. I wanted there to be like a new guitar solo and some changes, but he was like adamant on how much Just he loved the it. song and yeah. how it was. He, he, that's, yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, just so people don't think we're lazy, what if I did a, a B side video to match the video, like from another point of view? And so we spent half a day going and, and recording that video. And so there was a little bit more to tie those yeah. things together. And, it was just cool. I, I was, you know, like I said, super thankful for him and Dre and their whole team for opening it up and, and, you know, taking the time and like, it's, it's not often these days that you find somebody that's willing to just hop in on something and do it. You yeah. know, some people will be like, ah, I got to work. Yeah. Give me 20 yeah. grand. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, where am I going to come up with 20 grand at that <laughs> point in my life? You know, like, yeah, do that. But, um, yeah, uh, we were playing a lot of shows together at the same time, and he actually had asked me um, to come out and open their acoustic tour. It was him and Reed Southall headlining the acoustic tour, and I was the opener. Um, and one of those dates, we were playing in Dallas, and so me and him just took an Uber over this studio because it was in Denton, like 40 minutes away or something, and we just wrote that verse and, and, and popped it in there. And then I wanted that song to come out one year after Happier Alone came out because Happier Alone, I purposely released it on Valentine's Day because mm. it's like the anti-Valentine's Day song. You know, yeah. I love, I love like that. I love doing like a little bit more to the theme, you know? Yeah. And so that came out February 14th or whatever. And then it was right about, just about a year later, we could like got into the studio. I think it was like that December or something. Mm. So yeah, we just wanted to come out then, and then that was like the that was the first time I think I've ever done a feature, and the only time I think that that was Co's first feature ever. Now he's got some songs with Kodak Black and mm-hmm. Diplo, yeah, and crazy, crazy, dude, it's insane. He's um, blowing up a little bit there. I know. Yeah, I just talked to them earlier today. They were playing a arena. Um, I can't. I think they were in Illinois last night or something. Can't remember where he said he was today, but they're literally in basketball arenas, like college basketball arenas. It's it's crazy, man. We played shows together to like a hundred people, and in Lubbock, and uh, man, their their rise is just insane. And you know that kind of goes with what you were saying earlier. Like, how does a label or manager or whoever know when something's gonna blow up? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't think they know when it's going to blow up. They just, mm-hmm. when they start to like something, then they're like, oh, I'm, I I like this now. And so I'm going to put my time and money and resources into this. And so just finding that team is like, oh, it's hard, you know, I find that team. And like with the, with their camp, they found that team early. And so that's, that's why they've had, you know, so much crazy, awesome success. And it also, you know, just shows how good his songs are. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways. That- I saw I saw Dre, uh, I, uh, one of our former guests that we had on the show, Bones Owens. Uh, Co was out with Bones, uh, and Dre was in the middle of them, 
decked out in camo, solid Louis Vuitton bag there on his on his lap, and I was like, "That's a yeah, that's a mix right there, Louis Vuitton and camo. I like it." Well, uh, before yeah, he's a duck, he's a duck hunting a fool, man. Those guys are funny. I actually just wrote a song with Bones too. We got one coming out. Nice. Soon. I love it. It's called Stoner. Stoner nice. Fantasy. I, I love Bones. He's a fantastic guy. Um, well, before we let you go, uh, is there any idea there as far as, like you mentioned, I mean, you're going to be, like I mentioned at the top of the show, you're going to be here for five shows uh, in a week here in Florida, uh, and then you're going to be here in a month for Rockville there in Daytona. But uh, do you have an idea as far as that new album, any any idea of when it would be coming out or no? Um, I'm going to put a song out probably, I don't know, in a month or two. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would like to, I would like to get a song out before May. Um, yeah, nobody really knows about it yet, but it's called Blackout, which funny enough, I just did that last night in New York City, baby. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Blackout, I don't have an exact release date yet, but it's, it's, it's going to be pretty soon here. Um, heavy, alt rock, how's it feel? Um, I mean, it's, it's heavy to me, but I mean, it's definitely kind of up that alt rock ish feel. It doesn't stop driving. There's not like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's hard, hard to say. I hate to put a picture in somebody's brain and then it comes yeah. out and it doesn't show okay. anything like it, but it's, yeah. it's fun. It's just, just about being a piece of That's all it is. Like all my music <laughs> is just about being a piece of you know, just, like I think if I work harder, I'm going to not be a piece of and then I'm still a piece of So I don't know how that Works. Just but, some self positivity. Um, just some, just some good stuff. You know, Ther- therapy yeah, and music. Yeah, well, you know how it goes. One drink turns. One drink turns into ten <laughs> drinks, and then <laughs> lost on a train in New York City trying not to get jumped. So, uh, well, you made how it. Life goes. You made it to your next show. That's all that counts. You're there. I, I don't know how. I have no idea how we got here. Yeah. That's, crazy well but yeah it'll probably be out it'll probably be out like at the beginning of the summer and then uh like i said i can't say the name yet but we're, we're about to do a massive tour that they're gonna announce i think it's in may awesome. um so that with all the we're doing some of the big festivals welcome to rockville yeah. uh, louder than life after aftershock yeah. we're doing mm-hmm. Lollapalooza, and um yeah i just those are things that I couldn't have accomplished myself. And so a huge thank you to, to everybody from my manager, Corey, to my booking agents and last night and Chuck, what they're doing. Like that was what I was talking about. You finally get a team together that like understands yeah. you and gets it. And then it's like, Oh, shit, now I get it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so. for sure. Well, well, also I want to thank you for taking the time, man, to talk with us today. It's been fantastic, man. Cool. Well, hopefully we'll see you. If you're coming out to a show, let me know. Yeah, for sure. Listeners, make sure you check him out on a spring tour. You can check everything out at his website, www.austinmead.com, or you can follow him on social media, Austin underscore Mead.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. You just heard Austin Mead right here on the Doc G Show. Man, Mike, good guy. Good guy, Austin yeah, Mead. And I, I got to be honest, uh, I felt stupid for my faux pas there at the beginning of the uh, interview. Girl, come on. Uh, I mm. felt like I should have known that that wasn't his real uncle. I should have done some, you know, I should have brought him up on Ancestry.com and been like, nope, <laughs> totally not a link. Come on, Ben. Do your research, you know? Glam. Jeez, I'm sorry, Mike. I'm sorry to the listeners. Same last name. You know, it's all, the, I don't know. I, I, I feel like you were. Uh, I, it wasn't so too bad? Reasonable. It, it was a reasonable. Okay. Yeah, no. Okay. No. Okay, good. Yeah. I don't feel too bad. I don't feel too nah. bad. Uh, Mike, we, uh, we need to move on to the fastest growing segment in the world. Doc G Top 3. Woo! Now, Mike, uh, last week on the show, we had Nico Moon. Nico uh, brought up his fire pit. Right, and yes. uh, with his fire pit, I had the idea of saying, you know, w when you think of a bonfire, when you think of an outdoor fire, what comes to mind? What are the things associated, good or bad, that come up with a bonfire or a outdoor fire in general? Hmm. So, I've got my three, Mike. What's your number three? My number three is, uh, well, all of mine are pretty generic, but my number three is definitely s'mores. S'mores, a classic. Yeah. That is a yeah. classic fire. Now, I mean, I'm guessing you've actually made a s'more at yeah, a bonfire. so hard to believe, but I actually used to be a lifeguard. Nice. At the, Saving uh, Disney, lives. The Disney uh, World Resort. And, how many uh, how many saves did you have, Mike? Uh, like none. I know I, I, they, they all passed away. Uh, sounds sounds like my brother is a lifeguard. <laughs> oh man, he was the worst. He was the worst. Uh, I would have been I would have been even worse because I'm horrible swimmer. <laughs> so don't don't you know don't get it twisted. But anyways, as a lifeguard, yeah. Mike, I digress. Yeah, no, we uh, we we did the every Friday. They had the uh, the campfire with the s'mores, mm. and um, you know, so it was like it was always delicious. Oh yeah. But then also, you think about all the different, the very oh for me over the years, you know, the various s'mores tools mm. and techniques. Mm. You know, learning so. how to perfect it. Yeah. How to perfect yeah. it, knowing yeah. somebody brings like the the wrong graham cracker, and you're like, oh, well, this is gonna be lame. Thanks for screwing this over. Seriously, uh, you're gonna bring you're you're gonna bring just regular milk chocolate Hershey's. Lamb. You're not gonna get special dark. We know that's the best for Ooh. s'mores, you losers. Didn't know that actually. Hey, I didn't know that, Doc G. I just wow, made that up. Dark. Trust me. Oh, okay. Trust me. If I was going in, Mike, if I was gonna do a s'more for a real deal s'more, it's gonna be a Belgian chocolate. It's gonna be a very special ah. Belgian chocolate that I'm gonna Ooh. do. Yeah. Nice. And I I need to think about my marshmallow too. I would need to, you know. Think about wow. how that marshmallow is going to go down, but it would be a special marshmallow. So you know, that's right. I'm not. I'm not just going to do some. You know, <laughs> half, whatever. Just junior high, uh, uh, s'more. It's going to be fancy, Mike. If I go yeah. in on it, 
But, you know, it's going to be cowboy level. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take that yeah. normal s'more. I'm going to jazz it up to that level. Regardless, Mike. Does Cowboy Ken have a s'mores? I don't video? think he does. He probably he probably does. Well, I mean, should, he, I mean, he's, he's done one. You got it. I mean, you, know, you there's oh, no way. Definitely. No way you can be out on the it. range yeah. and not be like somebody be like, hey, can we maybe maybe it's outlawed by cowboys. You know, they're like, no, no way. That's kid. <laughs> we don't do that. You know, like, I don't know. But my number three, Mike, inevitably, uh, and I don't really partake in this, but uh, outdoor fires inevitably remind me of uh, alcoholic drinks. Can't really, yes. you know, it's going to happen. Uh, doesn't matter. There's somebody that's going to bring booze to an uh, to a uh, fire. Guaranteed. You know, that's a fact. It can be a, yeah. there can be three people, and it's just a small fire. There's going to be alcohol there. It's going to happen. Uh, and it's going to sort of mix, you know, you're going to smell the fire. You're going to smell the booze if it's strong enough. And you're going to be like, yeah, mm -hmm. all right. Yeah. Now, now, now it's a party. There we go. Mike, number two, what do you got? Uh, number two for me is house parties. Mm. Polk County country music. Yep. Nobody's really paying attention to the fire. Nope. Uh, uh, unattended. Somebody's doing a keg stand. Yeah. Unattended ambers are flying off into the woods, sparking yep. giant forest fires. But you know what? It's all right because we got the yeah. tunes and we got the booze. It's good. Yes. Yes. Now, I definitely agree. And my number two, Mike, sort of goes along with that. Somebody at a bonfire is going to have something that makes the fire explode or get bigger. <laughs> Yeah. Something. So true. It can be fireworks. It can be gasoline. It can be hairspray. It can be farts. Mm -hmm. What? There's going to be something that they're going to attempt to say, you know what? If we put this here, I bet you it'll be fun. Something will happen. That's yeah. always the word. Something will happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, usually if somebody is drunk enough, they will be trying to make the fire explode, and somebody else will be like, I'm going to jump over the fire when it's yeah. exploding. Are you ready for this? This is going to be the great. fire jump. But it won't be great. They will definitely no. get injured. Regardless, mm -hmm. Mike, you're number one. Uh, camping in the woods. I guess camping in general. Camping yeah. in general. you got to have a fire. <clears throat> Yeah, for sure. What do you we used to use a uh, like the metal flint. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, we watched yeah. a lot of the Bear Grylls, Survivor Man. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we had the little metal flints. Nice. I've done those fires a few times. Did you ever do a friction? Did you ever do a friction fire? Hmm. No, because I've never had like eight hours to spare. Uh, I got a, a I got fire. a, I got a friction fire down in, in uh, <laughs> really? Boy Scouts. Oh, yeah. Wow. It happened. I did it. That happened. That's an accomplishment. I think you should have that, like, and somehow it's on my resume. Put that on your wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I when I applied to new professor positions, I'm like, well, number one thing you should know about me that PhD is, yeah, who cares? The number one thing here is I can start a fire with a piece of wood. Damn it! Yeah, two pieces That's of incredible. wood going at each other. Now I'd probably die if I tried that. Huh? That was a. That was a skill that I had when I was eight, Mike. No longer the case. I've lost it. I've lost it. Uh, you know what, Mike? I need to try it. Uh, goal for the summer. I'm going to go back out, get it to happen one more time. Uh, YouTube video. 
Doc G YouTube special. Doc G starts a fire. Word. Boom. Mm-hmm. My yes. my number one. I know you're going to agree with this. Most people do. I've got to go a little negative on the number one. You're going to smell like smoke the next day. That's the number Ah, one thing that goes with a fire. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Everything. Your beard, your clothes, your hair, everything. You're just like, oh, -hmm. oh, God. Oh, Jesus. It's it's in there. Oh, it's all over. And like, you'll leave a room. You'll come back to that room. You're like, oh, is that me? Good Lord, I'm just a giant bag of smoke. It's crazy. It's crazy how it gets stuck yeah, in you, Mike. It's, it's true. It's true. You fall asleep in your car, your car smells like smoke. Yeah, yeah. it's nuts. It is nuts. Regardless, Mike, that has been the Talk G Top 3 for this week. Mike, we've got another one inspired by our previous guest. This would be, thanks to Austin, Austin talked about the relationship of writing music and changing mood, sort of like, um, sort of like behaviors. You go with those waves, right? And so I thought I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. By the way, Mike, I don't know about you, but I definitely do attach songs to seasons. You know? Oh yeah, I, I, for it, sure. So true. And I definitely have some that I really associate with my favorite season, which we've talked about before on the show, of course, multiple times, summer. So I mm-hmm. thought, what are the top three songs that make you think summer? Now, Mike, do you want do you want to, to put a little bit of a, a little bracket on this? I can put a little bit of a bracket on it if you want to do this. If you want to do old song, and by old song, I mean like before, you know, before me or you were alive, that old of a song. Okay. And then a youth song, and then a relatively current song, like the last 15 years song. Ah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I like that. So before... Yeah, so before we were born, born, then youth, youth. and then uh, relatively, yeah, don't have to do super current. Uh, It's not like we have to be up on uh, the latest top 200, but you know. For sure. I got you relatively recent i'm Good gonna idea. i'm gonna put a mark on it of 15 years let's say 15 for the relatively recent okay that's that's recent enough for me there's some 18 year old listening right now like i was i was three that's not recent it's all relative 18 year old settle down anywho mike we've got two birthday suits left now, I went back and looked, as I told the listeners I would, because we need to keep up with these things. You are currently 22 out of 37, Mike. 22 out of 37. Yeah. That's well, good. That is good, Mike. Good. So, Mike, I got bad news, though. I'm not sure if you're going to get either of these. So, that might That's drop okay. you a little bit. Mike, what would you rather have? The civil rights figure or the historical movie uh, actress? Hmm... Let's do the historical movie actress. Okay. Okay. Um, you may get this one just because there's been some big connections in like uh, uh, pop culture and whatnot. So, born on April uh, 5th, 1908. Our birthday suitwear was born in Lowell, Massachusetts. Hmm. I can't help. Every time I see Lowell, I, ju- I just think of The Fighter. Did you ever see the movie The Fighter, Mike? No. Oh, it's a good movie. You should check mm. that one out. It's 
got uh, uh, Christian Bale, got Mark Wahlberg. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, they're supposed to be the the uh, brothers there. Uh, Mickey Ward and Dickie Ward. Uh, hmm. uh, Mark Wahlberg's Mickey Ward, who ultimately becomes the world champ. And uh, Christian Bale is uh, Dickie Ward, uh, who was a guy that fought Sugar Ray back in the day when he was younger, and then he became a drug addict. And Christian Bale, I got to say, plays a, a fantastic drug addict. It's so true. Like, he, he nails that part, you know. And then in, then uh, in the movie, he ends up going to, uh, goes to jail, and then Mickey becomes uh, good again boxing. It's a whole thing. It's an awesome movie. If you get a chance to watch it, I definitely recommend it. But it's constantly because they're supposed to be the pride of Lowell, Massachusetts. Like, that's it's all the time they bring it up. So when I hear Lowell, that's what I think of. Regardless, <laughs> I got sidetracked, Mike. My, my bad. Um, from a young age, she was interested in photography and acting. When she was 13, her mom enrolled her in the Clarence White School of Photography, she started working as a portrait photographer. It wasn't until 1920 that she had her first acting position. She made her Broadway debut in Broken Dishes in 1929. One year later, she moved to Hollywood to try her hand in movies. Her first movie was Bad Sister in 1931. Hmm. She had about six movies that weren't uh, very successful after Bad Sister. And then... Real quick, before I move on, just think about our tattoo artist, Mike. She was just firing up right around that time. 19. <laughs> it's insane, and she's still going. Jeez. It's crazy. Anyways, it wasn't until her role in Off uh, of Human Bondage that our birthday suit wearer had her breakthrough. That was in 1934. She then played in Dangerous in 1935. She played in Marked Woman in 1937. By the end of the 30s, she was one of the most well-known actresses in the world. She was known for her distinctive eyes that were often filmed in close-ups during the film. Hmm. After Pearl Harbor, she raised over $2 million for war bonds in two days. Uh, throughout the war, she did performances for troops. Uh, and throughout our, our uh, birthday suit wearer's career, she acted in over 90 movies. In 1981, Kim Carnes released a song titled about uh, a song titled with our birthday suit wearer's name about her eyes. Quote, blank eyes. What? This person's <laughs> eyes, right? Wait, what? Which opened her uh, to a whole new young audience. Sadly, by the late 80s, our uh, 1980s, our birthday suit wearer wasn't in good health. It was estimated up until the uh, near the time she passed away, she smoked. A hundred cigarettes a day. Nice. Good Lord. Wow. She was dying. cigarettes a day. It's insane, Mike. She That's was, a lot. She was diagnosed with breast cancer in the early 80s. Her last role was in Larry Cohen's Wicked Stepmother in 1989. She was remembered as one of the most impactful actresses of all time. On her tombstone, it reads, She did it the hard way. Name that birthday suit wearer. Also, side note, Mike, real quick. Uh, the um, Madonna song, Vogue. She also is in that song. At the end of one of the little raps that Madonna does, she says, Our birthday suit wearer's name, and then she says, We love you. That's at the end of one of the stances. Anywho, name no that idea. birthday suit wear. No, nothing. Sorry, no, no, nothing. 
Betty Davis. Betty Davis. Betty what Davis. Have eyes. Been able to guess that, yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, dude, that is a jam, though. I'll look up her eyes, Betty yeah. Davis. Oh, eyes. she got some <laughs> eyes. She's got some eyes, man. She has got some eyes. You got to go. Uh, make sure you Google, you know, Betty Davis Young, because obviously the older she got, the 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 little bit uh, uh, less sparkly those eyes became. That's a fact. This is this is the one, right there, Mike. The one that I got up, this one here. Ah, uh, great eyes. That's beautiful eyes. That's the one that gets you right there. You're like, yeah. okay, I see it. I see it. Anyhow, I see it. There <laughs> you go. There you go. Oh, Mike, uh, she would have turned 115. Huh? But she passed away uh, 34 years ago. Nonetheless, happy <laughs> birthday. To Betty Davis, Mike, an absolute legend of the silver screen. So true. Mike, uh, that means you are now 22 for 38. We've got one more here. Don't, not sure if you'll get this one. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. We'll give it a we'll shot. We'll see. Born April 5th, 1856 in Halesford, Virginia. Birthday suitwear was born into slavery. And after emancipation, our birthday suitwear's family moved to West Virginia. Eventually, our birthday suit wearer went to Hampton University. Under the recommendation of the president of Hampton University, Samuel C. Armstrong, he became the first leader and teacher at Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. In Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> His first students literally built all of the necessary buildings. Like, it's crazy. He recruited these students. They literally put together by hand, brick by brick, this institution. It's ridiculous. Jeez. Uh, our birthday suit wearer was the president at Tuskegee for 30 years. As he taught at Tuskegee, he became a more, popu uh, more popular leader in the black community and around the country. President William McKinley even came to Tuskegee to visit with our birthday suit wearer. However... Many prominent black leaders in the North actually grew to disagree with our birthday suit wearer's opinions. They thought that he catered to the white community too much. They thought his work and his speeches suggested that African Americans should work for, submit to, white political rule, and they didn't agree with that. W.E.B. Du Bois was one of the biggest that sort of said, I, I don't really agree with what he does. He uh, gave him the name The Great Accommodator. That's what he uh, he called our birthday suit wearer. Hmm. In my opinion, Mike, it's a little bit like you could see their disagreement. You could do a little bit of a parallel as far as what happened about 50 years later with uh, Malcolm X and, and, and Martin Luther King. They wanted, you know, they wanted prosperity and progress for uh, the African American community. They just sort of disagreed on how to come about it. You know, one of them was right. a little bit more strict than the other. Regardless, our birthday suit wearer made countless contributions to society. He wrote 14 books, including his autobiography. He created the National uh, Negro Business League, and he helped raise millions of dollars for schools in the South. Name that birthday suit wearer. I'll give you his initials, Mike. B-T-W. Hmm. Uh, ben Wallace. Wait, what? <laughs> Booker T. Washington. Oh, wow. Come on, Doctor. All right, ask me. Just <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about it. 
Booker T. Washington. Yes, Mike. Yes. I said Ben, and it, and you gave me the, huh? Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, the book started coming out, and it sound you know it sounded good. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> all right. And then no, uh, no. Why did I say that? But Booker T. Washington, man. Yeah, yeah. Now I actually, uh, fun fact, Mike. Uh, I went to his uh, his birth site back in the day. That's right. You know, because it was hmm. in Virginia when I was. Uh, yeah. When I was growing, the 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 Booker T. Washington National Monument's not far from my uh, my hometown at all. It's like uh, it's like an hour away or something like that. So, just a just a fun cool yeah fun side note for you. Just a little little Ben Tyke running around. Is that ben like a little uh, field trip fi or something? Oh yeah, I think we actually yeah. might have had a couple field trips there. Pretty sure, you know. So true. It wasn't bad, you know. I, I we got to have those weird crappy uh, uh, school uh, field trip lunches, you know. Hey, Doc J, can I suggest a top three? Top three field trips. Top three field trips. It's in the books, listeners. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> top it down. three field trips. I now uh, real quick, Mike, are uh, on the field trip. Now, do you want to do this next week, or you want to hold off uh, after the songs and do it? The oh no, let's do the song. Let's do the songs. It's just a uh, you know a future one. Just okay, throw, two weeks. Throw, throw that out there. Two weeks. We're gonna do uh, top three field trips. But I gotta ask on the field trips. Um, are we are we doing so? Can we do overnight field trips? Cause you know I did some like all field I, trips. Okay, all yeah. field trips. Cause cause I did yeah, some yeah, like yeah. some like FBLA, the future business leaders of America. Oh yeah. Cause obviously I'm a business leader. That's a fact. Obviously, oh, yeah. right? For sure. So so I was learning how to do that. I also had a, a great. Okay. Any any field trip, all and every any field, field trip. Okay, yeah. I got it. I got it. Listen, uh, listeners, go ahead and prepare your list for two weeks from now. Best field trips, top three field trips, um, Mike. So we uh, put you down there. You're now 22 for 39. 22 for 39. <laughs> we're coming back to that middle, Mike. You got to watch out. We're we're coming back to the middle there. Watch out. Watch out. It's, but it's uh, all right. Man. We'll go. You'll go on another run. I got a feeling you got a run of, of good ones in you there. Some some high percentage ones coming up. We'll see. Okay. Regardless, Mike, we have some fantastic shows coming up. Next week, we've got Jesse Daniel on the show. Super great. That's right. Then we've got fantastic artists coming on the show. Sunroom. Say what? Very excited about Sunroom coming on. They're coming on. Uh, they've got uh, they've got a couple of shows here in Gainesville and Jacksonville, and they're going to come on. You know who they're uh, going to be performing for? You know, or or you? I should rephrase that. Do you know who's opening for them? Um, no. Hotel Fiction. Nice. That's Previous right. guest, Hotel Fiction, will yes. be opening for Previous them. Guess. And then we're going to be talking to uh, Sunroom. Can't wait. They've got some good tunes. And then along with that, we've got the absolute shredder on the guitar. Just uh, you Google this fella, listeners, when you have a chance. Jared James Nichols. This guy. Woo! My goodness, the noodles on the neck there. He just... <laughs> 
goes bananas. He is he is sponsored by Gibson, Mike. Oh, mm. my gosh. This guy just shreds. And he's got a show coming up on the 29th in Jacksonville. So we're going to talk to him about that. His tour, just how he's so good at the guitar, all of that. Can't wait. Can't wait. But until then, Mike, we need to wrap it up. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus, the Furnicus, Charette. Always a pleasure, Doc G. Thank you so much for having me. And of course. And until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah.